Folks, welcome inside the Parisi Palace, high above 3773 East Broadway. This is a live edition of the Jake Feinberg Show. Comedy on Power Talk, thank you so much for making us part of your day today, wherever you are in this world. And um, for, unless you die, for unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. The work of my guest days measures more than the planting and growing she is an embodiment of intention with no expectations this may or may not be the case on the basketball court but my guest is lucid and articulate about the heaviest subjects and can set you awash in a sea of righteous chi with her name formed with fruit on the mandala my guest is the light of the world when you choose to walk through that door Habitual nature holds people back. Can they correct those addictions and disciplines? Or will they come back in another life with the same Achilles heel, having to work on the same habitual nature? My guest has had strangers coming up to her since she was a young girl, seeking wisdom or some answer to a vexing question that had escaped a complete stranger for eternity. My guest's superpowers are priceless. You cannot quantify her work. She gives so much of it away and shares information passed through her from the heavens so that the lineage of her healing practices will live on with future hopes. She holds out the vine of truth to Hari Johns like me and provides space for them to grow and blesses them with multisensory awareness, non-judgment, and a rhapsodic-like cadence in her voice that can put a spell on you. There were many avenues my my guest could have taken. She chose the spirit path, and with attainment, grace, and daily work, she can levitate people just the way all the masters of music did. My guest has a calling, and so do I, and that is why I treasure our bond of love, faith, and devotion. Yashoda Devi Ma, welcome back to the Jake Feinberg Show. Wow, I'm so moved. That was incredibly beautiful. Brought tears to my eyes. Good. Well, it's about, um, it's true. It's, uh, I, I sat last night and, and, uh, sort of just pieced that together. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, um, I feel like we are heading into, a a time, um, that, um, unfortunately because of, um, a lot of shrouding of uh, people's uh, their souls and there's a lot of garbage and trash that gets into the souls of people and, and they don't necessarily cultivate how to cleanse it, that there's a lot of tremendous anger. And I don't deny that even you, I mean, I know you have, we all get angry and, uh, I see pictures of you with your son when, you know, in, I think it's really cool. Like you guys will sit in a car and just meditate, you know, when things are getting too intense, but, I worry a lot about um, uh, no matter what happens um, in the next in tomorrow, and the and I just in I see and feel a lot of violence coming, and I wanted to know if you have had experience in dealing with, you know, not necessarily with you, but with people that have dealt with violence as it relates to traumatic experience. And not, so, you know, here's the, the question. It's not so much the victims of violence. It's how 
you showed him how can you relate to someone who is so angry that they do not um, that they believe in alternative reality. I mean, is it? I, I I feel like this is the crux of it. Is it? I mean, I have a tendency to. I want. I mean, I will let people talk. I will let. I will hear them out. I'm not going to challenge them at a, at a debate or at a, you know, it's not that big. But at a certain point, it's like. I do feel a little bit like, um, for people who are very violent, how can you put them in the spirit mind? You know, this is this is an interesting subject. Um, anger, I know really well myself. So do I. Um, yes. It's our emotions are very powerful. We're electrical beings. Uh, Emotions are energy in motion, and when we're an untrained mind, which I remember very clearly, I'm, a f I'm fiery. Anger is my first go-to, or at least it, it was, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. to destroy, yeah, right? right. Um, and, you know, when we're untrained and we don't have space between our emotions and our thinking, belief systems are very strong. We're attached to everything. We're attached to our thoughts. We're attached to our emotions. We're attached to our beliefs, whatever they may be. And um, when you put emotion behind it, it, it takes us over. Uh, I know it very well. Um, this is, you know, part of the practice that I learned within Tantra was, I mean, this took years. Sitting in meditation was the easy part mm. to just pick up a mantra and, you know, be disciplined to, to make myself show up that it became habitual. And that by itself created space between me and the thoughts and between me and the emotions to allow me to see. But that didn't mean that when I came out of meditation, that it was so easy to not attach to my my anger. And I understand it. I, I understand, you know, I'm somebody who feels very passionately about freedom right. and being universal and that everyone, you know, has an opportunity to move towards equality, right? That everyone has a platform for it. So, so easily, it doesn't matter if you think that you're in the right on that wing or if you're on the other side, you know, we can get really attached to whatever that is and that, that passion to, to drive what we believe in. And it's that attachment that's scary um, within itself. And so, you know, when that emotion takes us over, I think it's so many, any of us, a good person could easily get taken over by anger and become violent. I think every single one of us has been a victim of that or the person on the other side who's ushered that Absolutely. extreme emotion. Absolutely. And then we walk away, any of us that have a conscience walks away and feels incredibly terrible and guilty and shameful that, I, that we let that emotion take us over to hurt somebody, to go to that extreme. I, we're primal. We're, I, you know, I was just talking to somebody the other day that we forget that we're in the animal kingdom. We forget that we're a part of the food chain. We think for some reason that we are separate from it, and we're not. I know. And so in this, you know, in this time where you look at 
you know, I'm not somebody who's for a party. I'm for the best person. I understand. And that's no, yeah, the I way that I look at it. Yeah. But you can look at both point of views right now, and I don't agree with either of them really mm. fully. Mm. And in that, that when our freedom or our territory is being, you know, stepped upon, we're primal. We're animals. We fight. We fight for our territory. We fight for our basic needs. And that's kind of where the world's at right now is a fight for basic needs, a fight for, you know, from the yogi perspective, it's our second or first chakra, our basic needs, our shelter, our money, our food, our just to be able to walk down the street and be, be okay. Um, you know, I have empathy for those who are angry. I have empathy for those who go towards violence. I under I understand it, hmm. and I get it, and I see it as their emotions, and they work with the impulse of stress, uh, and we've all been there, and it takes. Oh, it takes practice to move beyond that. How did you, um, Jodama, like, after you come out of the, explain to the audience about after coming out, you know, like you said, the practice of settling on a mantra and then work, working through that in, in some kind of meditation, that's the easy part. Can you talk about a, a vivid time that you remember that, when you realize that that was the easy part and that, that the anger manifested after that in you? Oh, yeah. I mean, I probably was seven years into my practice and, you know, had really gone into stillness and silence. And prior to that, you know, I was a fiery hothead. And I'm still <laughs> very passionate. No, and, and I, I, I mean, still th contemplate Of course, anger, you are burning. You know? I mean, you're a lot, you are on fire, but you have to channel... But I just would like what what like you would come out of the you just have to explain. I come, yeah, go ahead. I would come out and there's certain things, you know, there's our deepest triggers in life and mm -hmm. the deepest triggers that I had in general, I could, you know, be in my life and be fine. And if somebody said something that I didn't agree with, that I had practiced enough a non-attachment through transcendence where I let go of mantra and I go beyond the thoughts. That's where real non-attachment comes in and mm -hmm. you sit in that, mm. right? So I got to the point where I didn't have the need to be right all the time. I wanted to listen and to, to understand, like, where are you coming from when I don't agree? I really, truly want to understand it and I want to to stretch into that. But then there's these intimate levels, and it's usually your family. <laughs> At least mine is. I know. And, I know. You know. Yeah, exactly. The, the great teaching <laughs> is, you know, you can have your own life, but step into, you know, your family dynamic of the parents that raised you or whoever. You go to Thanksgiving or you go to uh, Christmas, and you really find out how far your practice has gotten because that's the trigger zone. And in that, you know, specifically my trigger was with my mother 
and I still had this anger. I mean, man, I could just go into that household and in two days be a bomb that gets set <laughs> off. Like I kind of want to. I just practice. that's. I kind of want to see some video of that. But I mean, I, that, you know that because I, that's. The, but isn't isn't here? I want to just. I I I knew this. I I I, heard, I saw this in a vision last night. I I said that because. Like you said, you're not affiliated with a party. You vote for the best person. I really like dig that. And and but what's happening on one side, just stepping back, is that somebody is in an alternative universe, and they're painting a completely alternative view of reality based on outright al- alternative stories, and in some cases, lies. And I think about yeah. that. I know. So my question is this. I and I because we came into my mind. I said, you showed him a. It's not like she's at a rally like this, but you know what? Everybody, a lot of cats, and I think you're one of them, grew up in a house where there was an alternative truth to what was re- your reality, and that's why the the bomb was would, would be set off in two days or less because there were things going on that you knew were not your truth, and quite frankly, weren't reality. Would you say that that is? relatively accurate because i think a lot of people that are currently you know ensconced in this alternative reality grew up in households where this kind of paranoia and this kind of you know i guess abuse and also um, manipulation goes on consistently i did not grow up in that kind of household but i feel like you did yeah, you know, to be to base, basically be the outsider, to be the one. And I can't say, you know, my whole environment, my father's very insightful, compassionate, great listener and he he was a a beautiful example of showing me that even though I wasn't that. Your stepfather. Always, Your stepfather? Well, my father that raised me. I mean, being okay. adopted. Okay. Yeah, I just want to make. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's so he. So he had um, a kind heart, but your mom. I just want you to talk. My mom. Yeah. My mom's fiery. My mom's stuck in her ways. My mom is this old generation right. that I feel is this clash of the world right now that's right. that that's has right. racism embedded in them. That has that's not interested. And, you know, real freedom, I think when we start to taste freedom, and as I move through all of this, is the freedom to let people evolve at their own rate, mm. the freedom to let people, you know, they, everyone sits in their ignorance for as long as they sit in their ignorance to where they don't want to be in that anymore. Everyone, you know, someone's people need the freedom to be in their journey and that's probably the hardest thing in the world to sit back and to have compassion and to hold space for but yet at the same time to move towards evolution or evolution it's really it's really such an art um and like i said you know seven years into my stillness practice and working with mantra and still being you know set off and triggered that's when i really started working you know, I started going to India and I started diving into Kriyas. I started working with Tantra and energy and started to understand because energy comes before all thoughts. It's the driver. It's the electricity mm-hmm. to manifesting mm-hmm. all of these things. And Kriyas are mantras with movement or just movement. And so instead of like be one with your anger, like that's not going to work. I mean, maybe for somebody out there. 
But in that, that doesn't mean like I just sit with it. You've got to move it. It's electricity. If it sits within you, it's still there. And so that's what Kriya really taught me is how to, I mean, literally, we would go into a yoga room, you know, 50, 70 of us, and my teacher, who's fearless, could really sit there and get us to get rage and anger <laughs> out of our physiology, to, to take our hands like we're a lion and to scream like you've never been able to. To, to have that be acceptable, to use then mantra and, and learn how to transmute and move that energy into a constructive way rather than a destructive way. And so in that, between the stillness and then moving and working with the emotion, that's when one can really be with it. It really, these are signs. If you have anger, there's passion behind that. And rather than using the anger to go towards violence, that doesn't do anything except exacerbate more destruction. Like when you become conscious, you start to see like, whoa, I don't want destruction to be at the forefront. I want creation to be at the forefront. And if I keep going, even if I think I'm vegan and I don't want people to eat you know, animals, I can't be out there yelling at people. Exactly. That's I can't, such a I good can't make people feel bad for what they eat. Huh. That's not going to inspire. And so that's where we start to take these emotions. Like, I do feel angry that there's people, that there's racism. I do feel angry that there's sexism. I do feel angry that somebody who's gay gets beat up and brutalized because of their sexuality. Don't think that I don't get angry, but I don't use my anger against something. Mm. I transform it to a passion of how I can inspire others to uplift. We have to find a way to inspire. So we use that anger. Like anger has a lot of drive. Anybody who's, anger, who's angry can conquer. And in that, for us to not be destructive, we have to transmute it. We have to move it in a direction of passion and inspiration. How do we inspire to uplift and move in a more evolutionary way? And sometimes, you know, not that this is the popular thing, sometimes silence, you know, is, is a beautiful way of letting people hmm. to hold space to get them to see that. Other times you have to learn what do I show up? How do I move that energy? How does that energy need to manifest? But again, that takes that non-attachment, that spaciousness to be able to create that vessel for what's needed. So, and sometimes a slap in the face is what's needed because <laughs> no, I mean, because... You're, you're not, you're rocking. I mean, the, 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 it's so spot. I mean, do you, do you feel, I mean, we talked last time, I haven't listened back to either of our interviews, but I know they felt so good that they were amazing. And But I just remember certain parts too. And you said, you know, I'm not every for everybody. I'm not everybody's teacher. Some people aren't going to necessarily get off on the way I do things. or And that's okay. And, and I just wonder, you talk about your guru. Do you feel like some of, I just feel like it's profound. Every time I talk to you, there's the semblance of, you know, there's, these words that get thrown a lot around like um, uh, objective or, uh, you know, non, uh, in the political world, it's nonpartisan, but I, I tend to, s you see the whole and you talk about driving this uh, 
anger, uh, this, the Kriya stuff that you talked about, taking that energy and, and, and channeling it in a different way, do you work with clients where you, like your guru, prod them in some way, could be silence, but, you, but part of the issue, maybe you don't verbally tell them you're working on it with them, but you are trying to drive their energy, that negative a- anger energy, into a place where there, it, can, it can be used for some kind of inspiration and quality of life improvement. It, do, is that something you work on with your, with your clients? Yeah. I mean, and sometimes literally my, I am not nice. I know. No, I, I, and sometimes, I, <laughs> you know, nature, nature, you know, if somebody's sitting in a really ever repeating known where they're sustaining this, this negative place, they're holding on to this ever repeating known. Sometimes it forces you, they get their dents in it right. because it's all they know. And it forces you, or at least myself, when you're working more through, you know, the universe moving through your individuality, it'll show up as a destruction operator. And there are times where I am not nice because you're not listening. <laughs> and, and that's what your energy field has driven me to, right? And so this is why this play of action, it's like, you know, the way that I teach is through if it's Durga or Lakshmi or Saraswati, it's like each person that comes to me, you have a different field of what you're accessing. Who's going to show up? It might be Durga who's going to come in and slay some things that you refuse to look at. And I have no shame. I'm not here for you to like me. I'm here to help elevate you and evolve you. And so either you hear it or you don't, maybe not in that moment. Maybe it might be a couple years later. I have no idea. You'll see how that shows up. Some people, you know, might bring a Lakshmi essence out of me. That's very, they're in a different phase and maturity within their evolution. So, you know, the density comes from a very immature soul. We've all been there. Right. I mean, man, I can look back at my, my past and I see, you know, this wasn't even when I was meditating. I remember certain points where there were people who really slapped me with words that were potent and powerful and so uncomfortable and, and embarrassing. But it helped me change. It woke me up in that moment. And I had enough within me that wanted to evolve that listened in that discomfort, in that... Um, in that moment so you know the world right now is we've been ignoring for a long time so yes the the impulse of feeling violence is because we've been ignoring destruction is at its finest right now and and we're all in this together as a collective so we all have to face what we've been ignoring and there's destruction on both sides I don't care what party you're in it's destructive on both ways there's there's no middle ground, mm. um, and and there lies the violence is because now it's you against me or my way or the highway, and life doesn't work that way. Life can't evolve from that way. Ishodamad, do, do you you know you spend time in India, um, and you know I, I was reading uh, in this book called Reincarnation. The Phoenix Fire Mystery, and it's pretty dense, and I, it's kind of I think a book right up your alley, but and it's a little bit over my head, but I just wonder, like, in India, 
do people authentically like as if they are Hindu or uh, do you feel like they are uh, doing? A, is, is it is it a pure form of of Hinduism? I just mean that because I. S- I mean, it's a, it's an amazing, like you talked about last time, it was kind of uncomfortable culturally at first to just adjust to the insanity of the, of the, of the, how tight everything was and the smells and all that stuff. But I just wonder what is authentic outside, like what drew you towards, is that culture authentic in the sense that, um, I mean, the, 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 the inequality is so stark and yet Gandhi was talking about the Hari Johns and the Untouchables long ago. And so that really hasn't been corrected. And I just wonder, maybe you can talk to people around the world who attach themselves to that, that surface impulse, reactionary anger, um, and they deem that to be authentic. Um, you know, what is the outside of maybe your guru what is what how can you describe authenticity in spirituality and how does it look on a day i think that's what i included last night in the intro was just your daily work cannot be underestimated i think that that is something that is something that i still really need to work on but i just wanted you to talk to people about you know detecting authenticity through spirituality and whether you think the motherland of where this all these ancient writings and Upanishads came from and and where all these you know Vedic texts came from and 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 that is revered but then even in that place human animals reign supreme so I just I wanted you to talk, you can riff on that any way you want it's just it's authenticity in spirituality and um if you can point to some uh some 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 communities and or leaders that that you feel do that i mean i feel like everybody's on their authentic journey whether it's totally ignorant or completely awakened <laughs> yes yeah, but is that a, you know, no i mean that I, yeah okay but uh you know yeah, in, in yeah. if we're talking you know you go to india and it depends on the eyes that you're perceiving from Right? There's layers of consciousness and, you know, prior to a regular spiritual practice, I mean, everything's spiritual, everything, because it's everything's spirit, right. Right? right? Everything is consciousness. So, you know, how we use the word spiritual, that has a whole definition to, you know, whatever state of consciousness you're in, but ultimately everything's spiritual, but Right. You know, it really has to do with the eyes that you perceive from and, and the the awakening that's happening. So most of us, you know, like myself, prior to 18 years ago, I only knew one layer of consciousness, just like most of the world, which is this material side of the world, the relative world. That's all I was interacting with every single day of my life because I didn't have a practice where I went beyond it. So from that place, I was being authentic to what I knew, what I had learned, and what I had cultivated to that point. I, everyone's being authentic on that level. And then once you start to enter in on a spiritual practice, right, each one, there's levels to it. So, you know, 
as we enter into stillness and we start to perceive in a more spacious place and we start to have non-attachment between our thinking and our emotions, we start to perceive through different eyes. So then when we enter into those who are spiritual teachers or communities, we can start to see what's BS and what's not. Who's speaking from direct experience and who just read it in a book? <laughs> who's intellectualizing yeah. it and who's not? Because that, mm. that first layer of consciousness that we're all stuck in in the beginning, and we're, this is the world that we're interacting in because most people don't have a spiritual practice, and that goes for Hindu on the same level as everyone else who's not doing anything. So, and it's the same for Christians who just say, I'm going to sit at home and watch my TV and my Netflix and drink some beers and do whatever and smoke some weed and I believe in Jesus. That's and right. how I'm going to go to heaven. Like, yeah. that's the same level. It's the same it, it, level. I don't care what you say. That's the intellectual level. Hmm. And what we call it is the karmacon level. It's the relative world and we're stuck in it. And you can be as authentic in that as you, as you know it to be. Then when we start to dip into these practices, which, whether it's breath work, whether it's singing in the church, or another version from the Vedic would be bhakti with your little harmonium and you're singing the words <laughs> of God, it's all the same, right? Or you have your pretty beads, it could be a rosary bead right. that the Catholic Church gave you, or it could be a mala, same practice, and you say your prayer, same thing, and you dip into something that moves beyond this material plane. That's when you start to connect to something that's greater than you. And in that place, you start to realize. And from that place, then you start to actualize what's authentic from that perspective. And you live authentically through that. Now, as you start to go deeper into your practices and rituals that you're coming to daily, life starts to alter because you're starting to access beyond the mundane. You're starting to access beyond the spiritual or beyond the material plane and you're starting to access the spiritual plane literally and perceiving it observing it you're not manipulating it you're not uh, controlling it you're not doing anything you're just sitting there witnessing and, and learning through the observation of itself and then you come out of that and you become authentic to that so ultimately authenticity everyone's being authentic if you're being in your own state of consciousness. And this is what makes it really interesting. But as you start to go deeper and you're experiencing all layers of consciousness, from you know Vedic terms, that would be the Karmakan to the Upasnakan to the Gyankan. Gyankan is where all truth, universal truth lives. As you taste the nectar of all these different states of consciousness and you come out, you start to interact with life on a completely different level. And this is what starts to alter. And you start to be able to perceive from the place of your direct experience. So you can go into India and you can see who's a sham, who's a charlatan. Mm. You can see who's lying and making up stories to make them seem better, like the almighty guru. But if you're somebody who's stuck in the Karmacon level and nobody's given you the tool to access beyond that layer, you can't perceive that. You just believe it. You believe everything you hear. So that's where most of the world is at. You read the news, you believe it. And as we all know, there's fake news, like a, an absurd amount of fake news. So you believe everything. You believe the fear. You believe 
all of these things because you don't have access to a higher knowing. You don't even have access to your intuition because all you know is stress. All you know is this material plane, which can be overwhelming when you're stuck in it. It can be hopeless when you're stuck in it. You can't even see the beauty when you're stuck in it. All you can see is the ugly and the darkness. When you go beyond, you can see everything. You can see the destruction. You can see the darkness. You can see the ignorance. You can see the light. You can see the truth. You can see the sincerity. You can see someone's heart. You can see somebody following their intuition. You can see somebody following their addiction and they think that's intuition. You can see it because you're experiencing all layers. So authenticity really has to do, it's happening all the time. Everyone's authentic to wherever they are in the path. Why would you, if, if there were, you know, because I'm not, I, I'm not saying that, you know, like, like you said, everything's authentic. But when you talk about these, all these different levels of consciousness, um, why would you encourage people that are non-thinking and in the Karmacon level, just, I mean, that's, I was telling my older daughter last night, I'm like, you know, Trump will declare victory tomorrow night. And because he said it, people will believe it. He said it, it must, he, 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 he won, you know? And, and so it's, it, they're reacting to, to whatever they hear and they believe it. And, and I just want to know for you or from your point of view, why your pers- not that it's better, but why would you encourage cats to expand their levels of consciousness? What can it do for them in terms of alignment of mind, body, and spirit? Do you want to have fun in life, or do you want to be the ping, or do you want to be the ping pong ball that's getting smacked back and forth between the paddle? Do you want to be the one who thinks the government owns you, or do you want to be the one that rises above it? Do you want to be the one that thinks the leader is the determination of your reality, or do you want to be the one who is the determination of your reality? So it's a map like that space. Some people you know, like to be told what to do. Some people love the nine to five job because they get the same paycheck every month and they know what they're getting. And some of us don't. Um, I think it's just more how much, what freedom do you desire? If you actually desire true freedom, then enter into these things. If you desire to be in the system and to be worked and to be the ping pong ball hit back and forth, then stay where you are. If you want to be the one with the paddle who's actually hitting the ball back and forth and participating in life and being in ownership of your own life, then rise. Do something different. Be radical. Step out of the ever-repeating known. Create your own system. Why do you have to rely on another system? Absolutely. That's, I mean, you're describing the Jake Feinberg show. I mean, basically, when you have clients, you know, because, like, this is not like a Pollyannish thing. Like, I, you know, I mean you're not into you know you can you can see both sides but when you're in your when you're working with clients that come to you um you believe that like when you tell them what they you know it's not a nice thing but it's something that they need to hear and you feel you're breaking them out of these rigid or dogmatic thought patterns um 
when when it's you know I don't I, for people that maybe get offended or sensitive and it it it, it ruins the the relationship or something like that. Okay. That's one thing. But I mean, what is scintillating for you? What is, is that your, is that one of your contributions to affecting social consciousness in this dynamic? You're not, you know, a political person, uh, you know, to my regret, you're not going to run for office. You know, it's a very toxic situation. But, you know, you'd bring a lot of truth to it. And I think you'd become very, po- you know, well, popular, you know, but authentic. But, I mean, what is, I, I, I always am curious about, because I know that you will tell people who come to you and they're in this, um, these ruminating rigid patterns and you're going to try to break them of those based on authentic experience. Is that your contribution to um, uh, social uh, whatever you want, evolution, or there are other things that you can um, point to that where you have to be very honest uh, with people, and um, and 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 then obviously you know it's not even about what ha- winds up. It's not even ever about. I just want you to talk about intention in Yeshua Ma's life. Like it, to me. It's everything is intention. There are no expectations, even though that's very hard. And I just wanted you to talk about how you affect how the different kinds of ways that you affect social change in your world. You know, my gurus would always say that as a collective, as a people, we can only gain the leadership that reflects our deserving power and our own state of consciousness as a whole, Yes. right? So in that, the way that I see human potential and the way that I've experienced it is through this practice, through this connection. And it doesn't matter whether you know you're praying and you find this connection to source uh, and you're Christian or you're Muslim or you're, you know, Hindu or you're just simply spiritual, right, as people classify it. Consciousness being raised to me is the only way out. The only way out is in. And so absolutely my contribution is to show up and teach as many people who have worthy inquiry, right, the people who have worthy inquiry, the people who are ready to face themselves, to face their stuff and to evolve to look at their blind sides to look at their to look at you know their ignorance and to evolve beyond it so a lot of how it works with me is i'm going to teach you something that's a direct experience and through the direct experience everything i tell you is true i'm not asking you to believe in anything i just give you something and tell you to do it and through that my words will be confirmed through your own experience. And once you start to taste this higher value of life and seeing, then the willingness to hear the difficult things, to have the difficult conversations, to hear the truth that's uncomfortable, you'll accept it, right? And so in that, my contribution is, I only believe that our world will evolve by shifting our own state of consciousness. If we don't shift our state of consciousness, 
then we're putting band-aids on in the material world and we repeat history over and over and over. I absolutely believe in taking action and I'm very thankful for those who are in politics. I'm very thankful for those who are the activists. I'm very thankful. We all play our part in it. Right? I'm not I'm not part of that realm. Right. Somebody is. That's somebody's purpose and that's fantastic. And I hope that my point is to get you to be full 200% in whatever that is, whether you're a scientist or you're a politician or you're an activist or you're a leader in your community. I want you to be full power in that, not in an ego way, in a serving way for evolution, serving evolution. And this is my participation in serving evolution is to teach these tools that alter your state of consciousness to align with the laws of nature and to click into the rhythm of life and to create evolution outside of yourself so that everything here in the material plane that we're taking action towards evolution towards the need of the time towards being aligned with nature itself and so for me you know that's where I fit in and the hope is you know that my voice penetrates whoever needs it to be penetrated for all I know I mean for all I care it could be one person and maybe that one person does become the president I don't know <laughs> no, so I, yeah, I that's love it. I love it. the way that I look at I it I love it yeah no I, I want to this is my I believe this is you um, I want to read this to you as a excerpt from a interview I did with just an amazing musician and guitarist and human, human, humanitarian, Terry Haggerty, he said this, and I want you to, <clears throat> you can extrapolate it on in your own, in your own work. Uh, he said, uh, <clears throat> I remember Robin Ford, who's another guitar player, telling me, how can you be so much better than you are? And I would tell him, when you get in the state of surrender in the moment, inside the music, stuff just happens. People ask me, what did you play on the guitar? I tell them I have no idea what I just played. I don't remember a bit of it. I wasn't actually there when it happened. It's like Socrates said, you must know what you don't know. That brings about an amazing conundrum of all these mental processes that are based on what you know. You can put it together in a lot of different ways, but to actually have something new come through you, you've got to jump to that place in your mind where you're really looking for new things, but you, you're removed, you're, you've removed yourself from influence in any way. Something's going to happen, you know. And that's what, a, right now at this moment as we speak, Ishodama, I, I just wanted you to talk about the Socratic idea where you're at, and if you can talk about the idea of maybe something recently that new, something new, some wisdom, some thought. I mean, you're a deep thinker. What can because you go into that, you access the space of because I look at you, and I say, and and I know you feel the same way. It's it, it's you are like anybody else, but when you allow the information to come through you, and it's in the most sincere way, and and you're looking for new stuff, then all of a sudden, I mean, that's, so I'm curious as to uh, you, what right now, what you're focused on, even in your own internal work or in anything else, you know, 
uh, you talk just riff on this. You must know what you don't know. Wh wh what is that for you right now? It's <laughs> a vast question. Um, and, and you can say, I don't, you know, I mean, I, to me, like, this is the magic of, you know, it's like you have the rudiments, you have the, the fundamentals, you have the foundation, but then it, the idea is to fuse that with your spirit in music because if you think you can just practice your way towards divine music you're not going to get there and if you think that it's only going to be spirit you're not going to get there either it's a fusion of the two so the honest hard work daily work that you've been doing for decades a couple of a couple of decades now i mean it's just that it's 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 the vanity the vanity the 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 belief and the the self-assuredness of people who are operating at such a surface level and reactionary level, um, they believe they, they, that gives them comfort. That gives them security, regardless of whether it's true or not. That's where they're at. But because you've cultivated and gone so deep into the Atman, I just wonder, like, you know, it could be as simple as like raising a, a a son in this time, you know, like that would, I'm really, I don't know what that would be like in this time. If he was even, no matter how old or young he was, I mean, it's just hard to raise a man, a boy right now. It's hard. I mean, that's just one example, but I'm just, sometimes you, uh, you know, when you lose your, your ego and you lose yourself and something has anything new passed through you recently, um, that you can expound on. I think, you know, I've had a deep contemplation in the last couple of years of what success really means. Um, and it's been an interesting journey as I started to build uh, a business with in partnership. And I saw it start to take off in a way that I wasn't, uh, I didn't want, to be honest. Hmm. Um and what it's brought me to in, in the last year, and this is really kind of at the forefront of my mind, because on the surface layer in the material world, we have a definition of what success is. And I don't, I don't find that to, I don't, I'm not aligned with it. No. I'm not aligned with bigger is more, more right. uh, to, to constantly be expanding. I find myself, you know, if I'm on Instagram and I see celebrities, I just think, oh my God, seriously, wake up. I know. You know, how much how much money do you have to hoard? How much, is that really success? And I think that this year has really brought into fruition, like, what is success for me? And success for me, and, and I know I've said this to you in the past, I don't necessarily, and I don't even know if it's supportive, I'm not interested in being a big-time teacher. I see I see so many teachers that are out there and they become so big that they can't really mentor people. And I don't really see the point of it and it's fine for, you know, whatever their evolution is. But I think less is more. I think, you know, I'm here to raise my son. I'm here to be present to my son. I'm not here to be a slave to answering emails and, um, you know, to be a slave to the people. 
but I'm also here to serve. I'm here to serve evolution, and part of that evolution is finding this balance of being with my son and not missing his his upbringing. I'm a single mom, so I'm the only one that has an imprint on him on a daily basis. Not that it, his father is a part of his life, but from a distance. And um, it's it's important. You know, as I listen to you say it's hard to raise a boy in this time. I actually don't. I think it's a great gift. Tell me why. I think it's a great it's a great gift to work with the masculine and to create a relationship where uh, my son, you know, I was telling him the other day, there's a lot that's come up with him of, you know, why don't people stand up for boys and men and why is everyone against a man and yeah. uh, he's really he's really feeling all yeah. this. Yeah. And, you know, I'm How old is honest he? with How old him. is he? He's 11. Yeah, so he's, I mean, and that's amazing that he feels that because, I'm sorry to interrupt, I just, I mean, a lot of men, well, anyway, I, I, I he's, he's very perceptive to pick that up because there's a lot of, uh, well, I mean, they could decide, a lot of men are going to decide this election. Continue, please. Right. And, you know, he's like, why aren't people standing up for, you know, men being abused? And, and men being hurt, and why can't men talk about these things? And he brings all of this up, and I think it's powerful. And, you know, he'll hear me say, and I'm, quite honestly, I'm like, yeah, we do. We sit in a time where, and I'm going to be blunt, it's the white man mm -hmm. that all of us have issues with, from the women to all different races, right? And I said, you're a white man. And there's beauty in the fact that you get to revolutionize what it means to be a white man in this day and age. And I said, my hope is, is to raise a man with a strong spine and a soft heart. Mm. That you can be strong in your masculinity and all of that beauty, but at the same time, you have this soft heart that is open to love, that is open to vulnerability, that sees universally, that wants to create equality, that has no problem to express uh, their emotions, that's tapped into the divine feminine that lives within you. And I said, so this is the beauty of your generation and my hope to create a man from that perspective. Um, you know, I don't know what it's like to be a man and that's not my journey in this lifetime to have that anatomy, but I do have the divine masculine that lives within me as well. We all do. You have the divine feminine and we're here to balance that. And so these discussions, you know, as I tell him, I'm like, speak up for this. Because the truth is, is I wish that there was more men's groups. I can't lead them because I'm a woman. It needs to be men with men that embrace each other, that, that remove this toxicity that's happening in our world. And it needs to be healed. And it needs to be looked at like now, right? It can't be all of us that do it for you. You have to do it. You have to be the leader of it. And I think that's, mm. it's profound, right? It's profound, too, to have a relationship. I sat my son down when he was like four or five, and I said, I want you to know I'm not perfect, and what I say isn't law, but I am the, you know, I am the authority in the sense of giving guidance. But I don't have the right to take your happiness away. So no matter what I do, whether it upsets you or 
I lose my temper or whatever that is, I don't have the power to take your power away. Don't give that to me. Stay strong in your happiness, stay strong in your harmony. You know, I'm open to correction as well. And I think, you know, it, it really starts at home. What's your relationship to your mother and your father? Is it healthy? What are the examples? And what I've learned thus far is what consciousness observes, it becomes. And it doesn't matter if you're, you know, in a spiritual practice or not. That's just basic marketing 101. Put it out there and people will follow. So, you know, if they like it enough, that's what consciousness does. It observes and it becomes. So if you're in a household that's healthy, that's open communication, that allows vulnerability and feelings, even if it's ugly, uh, that your voice matters, that your opinion matters, or that we can agree to disagree and not have it be violent and angry and doors slammed on each other and stomping and I don't know what people do, throw things at each other. You know, when you can observe that and you feel that you are valued, even when you don't agree, that's powerful. Um, right. And and for me to to create a lifestyle um, for me, success at this point is to live more sustainably, more minimally, uh, that less is more, that I have time to plant vegetables and to enjoy them, to put less pollution in the world and to still maintain, you know, a moderately successful, humble life that I can travel and see the beauty of this planet planet I just give wherever needs to be give give in in that moment right so it's constant where you know your generosity is in flow and you're aligned with destruction and creation and maintenance uh, and you're able to enjoy this life we've created a life of slaves you know which is an interesting wow. way to look at it of you know, we could say it's a black-white thing, which absolutely has been on this, this, you know, material plane. But to be honest, everyone's a slave. Everyone's a slave to their work. Everyone, the, you know, it depends on your, your perspective. You're a slave to your children. You're a slave to your work. You're a slave to the government. You're a slave to all of it. How are you free? You're not. So for me my contemplation is how to not be a slave that we've modeled as success I, I think it's a fascinating um, place to be in in our world I even see it in in my you know in the spiritual world the guru you know it creates so many things that he when does he ever stop he's in the same place as everyone else in this big machine Teach, 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 constant, constant, constant. This, this, this. It's, uh, it's fascinating. You know, does your, you know, you, you hold space for a lot of people. Um, you do a lot of, you give away a lot for free. Um, it's like, you, you, I can't believe, I wrote this word down right at the beginning of uh, our conversation, hoarding. Uh, and then there's also this caste system uh, that has enveloped people based on like, you know, uh, especially in monotheistic religions, uh, 
you know, the past, the, the church, they all, it always, they always need money. I mean, it's, it, the, 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 you know, I'm part of the spirit church right, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it, and, and spirit has been tamped down, um, a lot. And I wonder sometimes because your spirit is so strong and because you are, you have the divine masculine in you and you know, you're not, you're, you're not a man by any means. I mean, you're, you are a, a woman, but does your son wish that is, I guess here's the question. Is there a room? Are you vulnerable to it, to receiving love from somebody else? Uh, a, a partner, could they coexist with you in your world? And does your son sometimes wish that, that you could could that what would that person look what would that person look like and and what are um yeah who what is who is who is a your a, a soulmate or a lover for you like what would they um and, and without with with being totally natural you know because to me like we you said it every time you're a single mom you know like that's something that I think correct me if I'm wrong but that's what you set out to do. I don't know if you ever wanted to be in a domestic relationship, but do you, everybody, you know, is going through this time. I was married for 13 years and that dissolved over time. And I look at it as a chapter in my life and it's not a bad thing and it's not traumatic. It just, it is what it is. But I just wonder for you, are you vulnerable to receiving love from, from somebody and what, I don't want to say requirements, but what would that look like? I'm sitting over here with a smirk on my face. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I have that answer. Yeah, no, uh, I was going to say, because, I mean, you you are I, you are so, you're, I, I, I think that even if people came into your radius, the, the aura is so, anyway, I just, I would like, I, I, I have to believe, that, I mean, it's very beautiful the way that you're, um, the, the 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 philosophy and the and you know how you're raising your son and I think it's I'm glad you're taking it on and and you see it as um something that's very um you know uh Im- important in this time you know so much of our culture is attached to like with men burying emotions it's not vogue to talk about emotions the idea of having a man group that a group of men that would be you know, talking about, uh, you know, collective consciousness and, and feelings. And then obviously there's this whole idea of growing up with, you know, this, this insatiable gun society, uh, with all this violence and that strength. And, and, and then there's this whole idea that men are decision makers and they don't waffle and they don't twist in the wind. And I'm thinking about you and I say, but you, that's not you. So you, you kind of balance both so gracefully and I wonder if, if you, if there's room for, for, for another being in your life, like to be in a, I mean, in a domestic <laughs> situation, you know, well, you're like a tour de force, I mean, you know, um, it's interesting. I mean, one about my son, you know, we have had conversations about this and I, I would, you know, I feel that he's free to talk to me about things he, we're so close. I think if somebody came into my life, like he's, he's content and he's happy. Hmm. He, he has 
even though his father is not a part of his daily life, his father still fulfills him, mm. and that's special. So there's not, he doesn't, never have we had a conversation where he's upset with his father or he feels he doesn't have a father role in his life. His dad magically seems to fulfill that even from far away. They're still connected. They're still an essence. His dad is very powerful, very wise, a lot of time with him. And within the time that he does have with him to make it a present, to make it a gift. And that's a great good fortune that I have with that. So I don't, he doesn't, I, I haven't had him come to me with lack. Um, I've been very conscious about bringing men, you know, students that are men in my life that model well for him or have the same interests, you know, where babysitters haven't always been women. They've mm. been men mm. so that they can come and wrestle or do the things that I don't do. Like as women, <laughs> we, we don't yeah, like I did. that. I did. And I, I did. Yeah. And I see like puppies need to wrestle. Like there's that energy. Us women, we like to organize, like play games dates and set things up sure. and create from this different perspective and so I always tried to fulfill you know the the guys coming around and showing them skateboarding or bikes or uh, whatever that is so I was very conscious of doing that with him uh, so I don't feel like there's a lack uh, I think he really enjoys dominating my time um, that it's me and him we have a special relationship but I think he would be open to to if somebody came in, and I always said, you know, one of the requirements of somebody who, if they did come into my life, would be that they have to love you like their own son. I have to see that affinity towards you. Mm. Um, it can't be all about me. It has to be about him and really honoring who he is, even if it's not your blood. And that's important to me. Um, you know, it's interesting, when I was 12 years old, I had a vision that I would be a single parent. I knew it, um, uh, which is an interesting thing that I always kept to myself. Uh, growing up, I was also that woman who I knew very clearly I never wanted to be married legally. I never wanted to wear a ring on my finger, and I never wanted to take a name of somebody else's. It's very clear growing up. I never wanted the white picket fence with the house and the whole blah, blah, blah to each their own. That just, that conventional life I knew was not attractive to me at all. But in union, the, the you know, I, I would like to say absolutely I could be vulnerable to somebody entering into my life. I think there's magic in union. I think there's this, what two human beings can bring together. Mm -hmm. uh, we can ignite each other's creativity, our inspiration. We can help each other move through patterns that we're not able to do on our own. We can access the heart on a deeper level. We can heal sexual healing, sexual, like awakening the chakras through, through sexual communion is powerful, just so powerful. Human touch and and love within itself is the greatest experience that we have to access and to be able to create a shared experience with somebody I think is divine. It's a practice within itself. Um, I've known, you know, 
my destiny might not be domestication. Um, I, I, you know, my ex-partner, I can remember being pregnant and his four children in the house and our child and telling him, I'm like, I'm not meant to just cook and clean and think of what the food's going to be. This is not my path. This is not what I came here to do. And talk about anger coming through your body. Not that he was making me do that, but that role had to be filled. And in that, this fury within me, I'm not that person. I don't want to do that. Um, I'm more interested in hiring somebody to cook the meals for us and tell them exactly what it needs to be in the nutrition and all of those things. I don't want to spend my time doing that. Um, I think probably if I were to say a requirement of somebody coming into my life would be mutual respect. Somebody that can honor freedom and mutual respect. That the two of us respect each other's path. Um, that there's never somebody who's going to inhibit expansion and freedom. And that's key for me. Hmm. And that unconditional, um, that ability to allow somebody to evolve, that one is not there to serve the other, but it switches it, it, depending on where somebody is at. Maybe the woman needs to serve to hold space for the evolution of the man, and then that switches where the man needs to turn and hold space for the evolution and the growth of the woman. It has to be balanced. I'm so not interested in the old paradigm of it's only the woman who serves the man's expansion and liberation. Um, right. I'm also a woman who I love, and, and you know I love the material. I love making money. I love the energy feeling mm -hmm. of flow, mm -hmm. and it's that's not a superficial level. I just love that feeling of building and expanding and flow happening and if I don't feel that I, I would deteriorate in life and so you know to come and, and I mean I have to be inspired by somebody too like Ab what are you absolute, creating absolutely no what, I, absolutely I mean you know what have you created in this life and how <laughs> do you show up do you inspire me through your words do you inspire me through your grace do you inspire me through your generosity do you inspire me through you know how you love uh, you know my son do you inspire me through you know the friendships you have with other men uh, how you treat women uh, you know how you show up. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I'm made to be <laughs> with somebody. I, you know, I suppose. Did you, did, let me ask you a question. I, I'm, I'm, this is so interesting because you, you, I, I really want to, you know, you chose to um, have a child with, with, a, with, with a certain individual. And, you know, it'd be one thing if he was like, you showed a, I need you know, bacon and eggs in the morning. Like, you know, if he never said, he never said that the, the traditional uh, paradigm was on the table. Uh, so here's the, the, do you, do you feel not necessarily even with that relationship, but are there times where that you feel some of these things that you just talked about that make you feel very good, warm, and that, that make you feel like there's a connection and yet you still don't fully want to engage that because, 
I wouldn't say it's control. It's not, that's the wrong word. It's just, you know, for you to have, um, for you to feel like you are on a, to continue on your spiritual path and not sacrificing that authenticity, um, you know, put it this way. I mean, I, I, there, I mean, you've been probably being hit on since you were like a young kid. I mean, like, you know, so you know <laughs> that like, you know, the, you know, like the MO of guys, like they're that, that, that we're all human animals. And obviously you just talked about like that beautiful need to align and to create and to have amazingly great, um, you know, in that sense. So it's not like you're against that it, and your heart is wide open. I mean, I talk to a lot of, uh, women, their hearts are closed. They, you know, they, they're, they've been hurt or they are just de- bound and determined to do it on their own. And I don't feel that with you, but I do wonder if you've short-circuited potential relationships, not necessarily domesticated, but just like you just cut it off before. Because you said the, the, the father of your, of, of your, uh, of your boy, he, he never laid down those guidelines but yet you know you just i don't know i mean do you feel like you've 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 felt some of those intrinsic qualities of uh somebody you would consider to accept love from and but yet you still based on your your comfortability as a yogi and as a as a as, as a vedic reliquary you just it it was like no i can't do it it's just it's not it's, it, I, I can't, I can't go through, I can't move forward. You know, it's funny. It's not usually me. It's, they usually crumble in it all. Really? Um, what, how does, um, how does that look? I just think, you know, technically I think a modern man can say that they would like to be with a powerful woman, but when they're with them, they, they, they don't. Because there hasn't been enough work of men being solid in their masculinity and the rules haven't been redefined of the masculine and feminine in this world. Wow. I just don't think they've done enough work to feel secure in it. Um, can you give it? A, I, I mean, mean this, be, can you? I just want. This is really important. I mean, in, and 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 like just talking to people out there, what is that redefinition look like? And because you know, like the idea, I I just think it's a travesty for, and I, I'm not disagreeing with you. But if they're going to crumble constitutionally because they're not aware or they don't understand the redefinition of of the role of of that, what is in your mind? What are those things? You know, Um, because I know, even though I've never met your son. In his heart, you know, he's not getting younger, but in his heart, he wants he wants to make sure that that his mom is is is. Not taken care of—that's patriarchal, but loved, un- unconditionally loved and taken care of. He w- he wants to f- he wants to know that you will be okay because so- at some point he's going to be an adult and you guys will still have hopefully a great relationship. But he's not going to be around, you know. So what is that redefinition? Why do they w- give an example of of crumbling, you know? But I but I see even in that my son doesn't see that in me. I'm very capable and myself it's like I'm I'm happy I um I'm happy I love being alone I think that's part of I know you, know, you do I maybe know you, I know part you, of I know my you problem do. Yeah. is that 
I love being alone. I mean, that's even hard raising a child. I desire, you know, when he's at school to be in silence when I'm not teaching mm, or mm. to be on my own. It's it's like a must. Um, I don't have, I'm not needy. And, I, you know, and I think that's, there lies the problem. When you don't feel like the neediness from somebody, uh, you don't know how to show up. Mm -hmm. You know, men are kind of like the fix it. Like it's very obvious. It's like, oh, okay, there's this. Let's do that. And it's not that. So when you don't feel neediness from somebody, then what do you do? Because we live in such a fix it consciousness, then I think men start to feel needy themselves. That's right. Um, that's true. And and doesn't know where to put the energy, and that's where the crumbling comes. Where it's like, well, focus on you. I'm focused on me focus on you. I'm happy to like commune in attention, but ultimately I'm not interested actually in telling you what to do or any of those things. And I certainly don't want you telling me what to do. I don't want to come to you to ask if I need to go to somewhere, if it's okay, if I can go on tour for my teaching. I'm not interested in if it's okay. It's more, you know, I just operate from a different way. And and in that, then people don't know where to put their energy. And if you have to focus on yourself, that's the hardest thing for people to do unless you're deeply in the practice. Stop focusing on everybody else and trying to fix everybody and trying to, you know, be the superman or the, the superwoman. People spend all their energy their whole entire life on everybody else. Hmm. Um, hmm. You know, my son, from his perspective, I just really don't think he thinks like that. I mean, a lot of what we talk about, I mean, it's sweet. He he thinks about taking care of me. Yeah, and like I know what I'm saying older. is he will never, ever acknowledge, and maybe that's what it is. He will never, my daughters, because they're girls, I mean, well, I shouldn't, again, shouldn't, but they are always like, you know, dad, we don't want you to, you know, who's going to take care of you when you get older? I'm like, well, I hope I, you know, hope I hope I can connect with some, uh, you know, and, and whatever. Like, why are you even worried about that? But the point is they are. And the, but yeah, they, they, they do think about it. I mean, they love like a little yeah, dream exactly. of, I'm going to own a property and I'll build a house for me and then I'll build a house for you and we'll be near each other. And I'm like, really? Uh, okay. Um, so, <laughs> I, I mean, it. it's very cute in that sense. Um, no, I like it though. You're very, I mean, it's very hard for me. I need a lot of space too. And I get very, my anxiety gets very, I, it's, it's hard for me to be in commu in space sharing space with some an with another uh person i oftentimes need a lot of space and so you know i just wonder like um you know like just just being as vulnerable as possible i mean like like loneliness like that is just a, a human feeling and condition and i don't feel like you're somebody who buries stuff so you know, when you yeah. genuinely feel lonely, I like, don't. like, how, how do you, I mean, I don't, I uh, don't feel lonely. You never, ever. that's beautiful. My God. I mean, that, that's, that's, I mean, that, I guess that's the, that's the idea is that tell me about how, uh, like, uh, somebody that you would, that you were fond of, that you were inspired by, and that you've had feelings for, um, like, aside from not being needy, um, like, how would they not, um, what, what, what would be, what would be the things that you could, that you could 
like where the I, and I this is the word I wrote this out last night, but the word is it's not the right word, but the the idea is okay. Let's say you find some somebody who is aligned with with all these you know redefined roles and they are very good at giving you space and they are not needy but how can they still feel adequate about and what are kind of the activities outside of you know intimacy or things like that where um you guys can connect you know what what that that's all i'm trying to say is like that 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 spiritual connection outside of your need for silence and meditation um is it just as simple as like um, holding, just being together in silence, or what? What are some of the things that would make a man, a uh, potential partner, feel adequate? Because that's where the insecurity comes in, you know. And, that, and that's all you can riff on that any way you want. I mean, I guess if, if somebody who's balancing to me, um, I find you know the men that I've been with that are you know that I've been connected to and in the end what what makes it doesn't work is because they actually want all the spotlight on them and they don't want to share it and so there lies the problem um what a travesty that is god jeez man I don't know um it's an interesting it's I mean that's a whole another dynamic uh let me ask you something though, just because me, because with me, I like to give away a lot of credit, but you don't want necessarily someone lavishing you with praise or telling you things that you know is not true about you. So then what does that person, you know, you know, they turn towards themselves for gratification. You know, I mean, that, that's all, I'm, I, I'm not trying to defend them, but I'm saying the spotlight's on them because, I mean... I don't know. I mean, you know, it, it, it's 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 just something. I just feel like you're you are somebody who um, has not. I mean, yeah. I th- go ahead. I, I mean, I think it takes. I'm interested. I'm interested in somebody. It's hard to define as like one thing, but really interested in somebody who's an observer. You know, I, I was a team player my whole life. So if you walk into an atmosphere where there's more than one, how do you participate in that team? You know, where do you see that you can bring strength? How do you, you know, if it's in a household, uh, how can you show up without being asked to do things, you know, mm-hmm. and participate? I mean, who knows? Maybe you're an amazing cook. I just so fall in love with that. Or <laughs> how you participate in showing up with these different types of things. Or I tend to be somebody who's serious, you know, more than not. Absolutely. And can you be the person that makes me laugh, that can be playful and pick up the energy or dance in the middle of the room and be silly can you create adventure and joy in the adventure to to go somewhere that's exciting that's different that's creative i mean i think that's you know where most people aren't observing we're just reacting and we're playing off of each other rather than you know if you're I'm going to talk like an athlete. If you walk onto the field and you're a star athlete, you can see the field and where you need to be in the field. Absolutely. You can anticipate where to go and how to catch the ball and how to then score. You're not looking at the person saying, what do I do? 
how do I do this? Absolutely. Where do I go? Absolutely. Right. Oh. So same thing on the bandstand. Sense, it's yeah. like, it, it, like I'm really looking for somebody. Can you play the field with me? I don't know what that looks like because I don't know what every moment's bringing. But how can we flow together in that? How can we fill the pocket? How can we catch the ball? How can we score together? You may need to score, and I just pass the ball to you, <laughs> or vice versa. So it's it's really finding that. somebody. No, you nailed it. You just got it. No, I mean I'm telling you that was the best. You just you 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 shedded like six or seven things there, and it's absolutely perfect. I mean that you watch a football game. The ball is out of the guy's hand, the quarterback's hands before the receiver even turns around. He has to be to a certain spot, but there's a flow right. there. And, and, and you know, and there's that famous uh, story about John Coltrane going up to Miles Davis and saying, um, you know, when he first joined Miles, he he just he was being neat. He 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 was insecure. He said, "What do you want me to play? What do you want me to play?" And Miles or Yashodamo kept turning his back on him kept turning his back on him and he finally realized that miles hired him to be himself to just do his yeah. thing and play from his soul and obviously the rest is history so it's yeah it's not i totally get it i i mean but and the idea of um the 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 idea of um Talking to other people, were you influenced very much by, like, just the idea of changing your name, wearing a ring, white picket fence, being married? What is married? Married to Yashoda, like, or marriage? What is that kind of, what are the feelings that bring up, that come up inside of you, or maybe used to? Like, when you say that word, from, from how people perceive it, it's, it's not for me. <laughs> absolutely it's, it's, yeah absolutely and, and so was that something where you did you didn't did you you saw your 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 adopted parents um in these roles and that part of it also was just part of intrinsically part of who you were you said you had that from an early age um and like a lot of people would say well i mean she's she must be lonely she must be I mean, she's not doing what society says and, you know, she's not. And so they judge it, you know, and I just I, I maybe you can talk about how you learn to get over and drop um, feelings of either resentment because cats would never understand where you were coming from and the path you took or judgment because you've chosen a certain type of path that is very fulfilling and nourishing and uh, so judgment and, um, and uh, you know, just sort of uh, how have you learned to just let that go? And I'm, I'm more interested in you talking to other pioneer people that are independent, that want to be independent thinkers, but they've been, you know, browbeaten into thinking that there is only one path because that's what society says. And I mean, that's why, you know, your for life force is strong because – you know, you, 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 you kick that, that whole thing to the curb. So, I mean, what, what do you say to younger people could be men, could be women about how nourishing, um, your path is? I mean, I think one, you need to own yourself. I have that great good fortune of being a bold personality who doesn't ultimately really care what other people think. 
You need to not care what other people think. I mean, truly, I was that girl in high school and middle school. I don't, I like, don't care what you think. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, though I was popular, I wasn't trying to be none of those things. It didn't really matter what, what, right. you know, when we really live connected to our hearts, it doesn't matter, you know, what others think. I don't create in the hopes of, uh, what other people think or if it's going to be successful. I move with what moves through me. And so we have to really stand strong. I mean, for me, yeah, I defy a lot of what is what is pushed upon women, you know, that we need a man to take care of us, uh, to do well in life. We need to be supported and taken care of. And uh, these were all things that, you know, I was in my 20s. I had an inner war with all of it. I mean, I don't even know what it's like. I praise and bow down to those who are, you know, transvestites, those that are gay. So powerful. I mean, I'm in awe of my friends who have the courage Mm. and the grace to stand up daily and just express in what they feel is what their soul is. You know, for me to be a white woman who looks pretty like the, the, all-American girl, you know, what that used to you're look so like. The all-American, the you're so the all-American girl, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty, you know, and have a and, and have a personality that defies that. Um, it, I think I have it easier. But these practices is what really made me, stretched me, my belief system. I mean, man, my guru and I went back and forth. I mean, I fought a lot. He fought through my social conditioning of... You know, when we would sit down on in these mentoring sessions of one-on-one, and he would say, Yashoda, not everybody is meant to be under the same umbrella. Right. Not everybody is meant to be married for life. He, I mean, he basically had this, not like he literally did, but like slapped me around with these concepts that made me uncomfortable, even though in my soul I was what he was talking about is the irony. He really had to, like, break the social patterning Uh, and it took years of listening to lectures and and having this direct experience of this non-attachment of you know I don't think like everyone else I'm very I'm very sexual person and sensual but if it's not activated I am asexual I don't think about sex. I don't care about sex. I'm not really interested in anything except for what's presenting itself in this moment. If I don't have somebody who's my partner, then it's not relevant. Right. So I don't act. It's not activated. Mm. It's as simple as that. And again, that came through my practice of transcending and ultimately being in the source of everything and falling in love with myself in that space. I'm fulfilled. Now, that doesn't mean that fulfillment can't show up in a different way in the material plane. If somebody walked up in a body that I was so attracted to, their mind and their body and the essence of their being, that that love didn't play out here or did play out here, I'd be totally open to that if it presents itself. And I think that's the beauty of, as we start to go deeper into these practices, I'm just working with the rhythm 
of my life. Like we all have sequences in life. And right now that's not my sequence. That's not playing in my sequence. I'm doing what's relevant in my sequence right now. The door of love or Venus or whatever that is might open, I don't know, tomorrow, next week, a year. And then I show up to what's relevant and I play in that field. But in that, I, I'm like taking life as it comes. And so, you know, if we're not living in that spectrum, then we're trying to make life what we think it needs to be. And most of those thoughts aren't even your own. When you've never taken the time to think beyond what society has told you to do. And don't think that it wasn't hard. Even when I was in relationship with my ex, and I never wanted to be married, there was a certain point that I had to work through the social conditioning of marriage itself. Like, why don't I have a ring on my finger? What? I had to really go through the discomfort of all of these things, even though I didn't even really want it. It was a funny thing that I had to sit in and the discomfort of, you know, my family who's Catholic, my parents have been married for 55 years. Even if I still talk to my mom to this day, she still say, oh, maybe you'll find a husband that can take care of you. And that, that whole story is still shared with me. And I'll sit there and hold space hmm. for what she thinks will make me happy and what will, you know, uh, take care of me. At this point, I just listen. It's okay because that's her perspective. It's not mine. Um, I own who I am. And I think I can just remember my first three years of meditating and I was sitting with my therapist and her words that repeated to me is you don't own yourself. You don't own yourself. Mm. And that really echoed in me of like, yeah, I don't. And you know, I have said that to my other, to certain students in my community, and I know that hit them hard in their heart, because it hit me hard in my heart. You have to own who you are, you know, whether you're gay, whether you're, um, you're a woman who doesn't want to be married in this time, another big one, when you're a woman who doesn't want to have children, or you're a couple who doesn't want to have kids. Man, they get ridiculed too. You have to own who you are. You came here for a different experience. And, you know, the spiritual practices, as we go into that stillness and that silence and we merge with the source of everything, you start to learn what you're here to experience. Some people are experience, here to experience not having children. Some people are here to experience having many children. Some people are here to experience one partner, one life. Some people are here to experience multiple partners and one life. Everyone is different. Some people are here to have same-sex marriage. Same, we're all here to learn different lessons and have different experiences. And you have to know, what is that for you? And I know very much in my past, I'm here to learn how to do things on my own. I didn't come here to have everyone do everything for me. I came here to do it myself. And that's not a bad thing. That's just part of my learning in this lifetime. And I accept it and I love it. There's nothing wrong with it at all. So that's my path. Um, you have you, how do you not close the door on certain things? And how do you know if you're being a little too, um, 
like you said, your, your path is your ownership is to do things on your own. Um, but I do see people around in different healing modalities where it becomes too puritanical and then they begin to lose some of their uh, righteous chi. And I just, um, you know, like, I guess, um, you know, I mean, how, do, you, do you feel like that is a, a zero-sum game, meaning like I have to do everything? I mean, uh, that that there is no – I mean, obviously, you know, if you have like a – you know, like you're, you have like plumbing issues, like a plumber's got to come. You're, I mean, unless you're going to fix it yourself, you know, that kind of stuff. That's like practical. I'm, t- I'm totally happy if somebody comes in and does things. I'm totally happy if you show up in your greatness. I am not going to do the plumbing and I am not going to fix the air conditioning. And I'm <laughs> I know, happy you know, you know what to I just, hire yeah. everybody. And I'm, I'm like so happy. Yeah. I mean, a big part of who I am too is I'm so happy to see you and your greatness and what you do. If, if I'm relieved of something, I'm happy for that too. there's a difference of knowing and accepting you know if partnership comes into my life and this is what I need to work on then that's what I'll say yes to I'm not I'm not black and white in that sense oh, I love it no, but I do mm-hmm. I, I do know who I am and if somebody wants to fit in with that flow I'm here to run that marathon side by side but ultimately, you have to run your marathon, and I have to run mine. You're not going to run it for me. No, so, I, I think you just na- you encapsulated it. The, the 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 potential for a divine partner for you is somebody who has ownership of themselves, and I think that that yeah. and that, that's that's I don't know. You just articulated that incredibly, incredibly well, and and uh, and yet you showed them. I mean, if. If you had any, you know, I, if there's one teacher, philosopher, scientist, um, you know, thinker from the past or the present that um, you would like people to uh, do a deep dive on or <coughs> hold on to during these uh, very turbulent months ahead i think it's we're in we're on i mean history's always happening history's what's happening today um and we are in the middle of this cosmic shift between redefinition of roles between men and women as you've so articulate as eloquently said and there's just on this whole other level huge amounts of inequality between hoarders and people that are just you know in in squalor and it's very evident and it's right out in our faces and the next few months and possibly i don't know i gotta hope not years just are this kali yuga are you can you talk about are you i I know you're versed in it can you talk about this time that we're ending and moving into and if there was one um salient being or writer, philosopher, thinker, that you would want people to um, to attach themselves to, not in a codependent way, but in a way for inspiration, who would that be for this time? 
my guru, Anand Mehotra. He, the, the Sattva uh, Academy would be my number one person. He is a visionary of what the future is. He's a genius. He's brilliant. He's only he turned 38 yesterday, I think, somewhere around there. Um, wow. he, he's radical, and he defies, you know, he is the future in the way that he speaks, and he gets you to think beyond your box of your ever-repeating known. Um, he would be the number one person. Um, I would do, I would join sattvaconnect.com, and I would do the practices and listen to his wisdom talks and do anything that he offers. Uh, another great Another great person who's very much aligned, I think he's like an older version of my guru, is Sat Guru. Um, everything that that man says, puts out the, the books that he writes, again, totally aligned uh, with the direction that we need to move in. And what is um, that direction? I want to be clear. What, 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 what are you gravitating? What is that? What do they talk about? Freeing yourself of the social conditioning, the, the stories, the limitations, the to find, to liberate yourself, to free your mind, to be a master of your mind and a master of your energy, right? So the more that we go on this inward bound and we destroy our own inner darkness and inner ignorance, we can really start to move in a more masterful way. You can't be masterful in life. I don't care. If you have a lot of money, that's probably part of your destiny. That doesn't mean you're successful at all. If you're somebody who's powerful but you misuse and abuse your power, that doesn't mean anything. If you're an influencer on Instagram, that doesn't mean anything. Just because you're popular and you wrote a book doesn't mean you're an expert. <laughs> we have like our world, mm -hmm. I'm sorry, is is very stupid. You don't just follow somebody just because they had the time to write a book. And that, that, that makes them an expert in Absolutely. that field. Absolutely. It, it, just because they have a million followers on Instagram doesn't mean they know what they're talking about. Right? But people just follow. It's unbelievable to me. So these men, you know, these gurus have come in and they're here to break down these social constructs that are absurd, that are limiting that we, our whole world basically is a popularity contest. I mean, we have a guy who was on a reality TV show. Yeah, what do you expect? I mean, we, a it's a reality wealth. TV world. I mean, exactly. He's a buyer. It's, yeah. it's, exactly. So in that, you know, they really talk about, you, we have to break these constructs of ignorance, of blindly following. And you can see that in religion to blindly follow what somebody says without a direct experience. Nobody who experiences God is fighting any war. That's right. Well, so yeah, I mean, I, that, yeah. It, I mean, I, really it, it sounds to me to... though, that, like, I mean, this is a path of, you have to be ready to, um, be vulnerable to, I mean, I think it's just so hard for so many people that their pride is so high and they know that they've been sheep for so long and it's like the road to go, the, the, the road that is being offered by these gurus um, is so, 
um, it's just so they, they, they're so petrified and scared. They cling on to the, you know, I guess what you're saying is these cats are, um, they help people become shepherds and not sheep. Yeah, essentially. I mean, to, to be free, liberated, empowered and through your soul, um, to, to align with nature and to create with nature rather than to destroy nature. Uh, and, you know, my guru's guru used to say, it only takes 1% of the world to shift the world. Uh, this isn't for everybody in this time. Coming out of, you know, in this Kali Yuga, some believe that we're totally entrenched in it. Someone like my guru thinks that we've come out of Kali Yuga and we've moved into Dwapara Yuga, which is, you know, the next step to a lighter time. But in that, we are entrenched in the old habitual tendencies of ignorance. And there's a clash right now, and you see the clash uh, between the fiercely ignorant and those who are of the new era. And there's kind of nothing in between. And so in that, you know, as consciousness observes and becomes, if 1% of the world really starts to rise, and what I'm saying calls to you, if it's something where you've already turned it off, you're not even listening to me, or you feel triggered by what I've said, then you're probably not that person. That's right. So, and that's okay. You don't need to be that person. All we need is 1% of the world. You know, and when we look at leadership and, and shift and visionaries and pioneers and shepherds, that's not the mass. It's the few, and we only need the few to lead, and that's all that really matters. And so if that's you and that, that call within you desires a new system, des desires a universal system that desires a new way of relating in the world and, and to empower those around you rather than compete, then go towards all of this, and you'll find your way you'll find your way through it and you'll dive deeper and deeper and you'll rise higher and higher. And then we don't need everybody. We don't want everybody to be that way. Right? Absolutely. I mean, that's the biggest not problem. Not everybody's that's, meant to be a leader. They talk about democracy, you know, the masses, uh, the masses are, it is about the, that 1% of, uh, of, of, of beings that, um, you know, the collective masses are, I think your guru is right. I think we are in this this new this new Kali Yuga, um, and I think that w what you just described there, you know, is is just so this polarization um, is quite amazing. Are you are you ha just before I let you go? Um, you know, I've talked to some teachers in the last since the virus. Um, and they're really bright, and and they read a lot of books, and you know they're and they um, and they, I, I have no doubt that they're great practitioners of what they do, but I can tell that um, you know they're that they had a lot of self worth through their uh, their livelihood, and maybe that livelihood now has been cut down because they can't have that many people in their classes or because people are wearing masks, uh, they no longer can, can feel better because they really gravitate towards smiles, people smiling at them. And basically the restrictions to the virus have become restrictive to their, the lifestyle that they've created around their livelihood or what they assume to be their, 
their purpose or native gift. And I know you don't give a one hoot about that. And I just, and that's not to say that you wouldn't have already maybe traveled somewhat this year and had a lot of workshops or, I mean, every time I reach out to a new uh, healer, they're like, oh, I know your Shodama. She is the bet. She's my favorite. I, they, the, and these mm-hmm. are very reverential people. They, they all, she's, she's a, she's a, I forget what they say. They, she's a, a colleague, a colleague, uh, you know, they're the <laughs> reverence, uh, the reverence and the respect, not because you're beautiful, not because you're all American girl. It's because you live the most authentic truth. And I just want you to talk to people about leaving not how you did it, but like to own your life and not get wrapped up in the fact. Because you know what I wind up hearing from these healers is that they begin to uh, kind of become uh, ignorant uh, in the sense that the, they believe the, the virus isn't real and the science doesn't matter. And, and, and you can see them flailing around because they had so much self-worth tied up in their cra- in their in their livelihood and like you said you could your measure of success is having impact on could be one person or 10 but it's whoever's willing to to cultivate that and i just I, you know I, I feel a lot of people are struggling because um whatever their lifestyle was that was tied up in their livelihood has been uh has been has been sort of um, taken away and you are like a, a very adaptable guru so talk to people about how to let go of that ego. Meditate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what I mean, what I, so, and you're talking 20 minutes. I mean, but I mean, these are cats that, that I think have honest meditation practices, but you know, they thought they were, they thought they were really, they, they think they're really, I think that's the thing about greatness too. I mean, I'm writing an, uh, I hate to say this, Yashoda Mai. I, I, I've, I've been writing a lot of books, but I don't know anything. I've just been, it's, it's content that's coming from my guests. And, um, you know, I, I, I just, I wouldn't want to be on the radio or do anything along the line. People say, I, I want to start a podcast, you know, and I can hear their sincerity. And I, my first thing is to say to them is make sure you're not the one that's just bloviating all day. Cause I would not have any respect for myself if I was, just talking in a vacuum about things that I know nothing about. I'd rather bring people on and extract the the essence, the nectar, the beautiful nectar of life. And it could be with an old musician. It could be with Yishodama. It could be with anybody. But, you know, that, you know, I, I, (laughs) how did you, that was the point. I'm writing a new, I'm writing a book with a drummer in New Orleans, Johnny Vidakovich. and, And he's like, you know, man, he's like, when I'm on the bandstand, he's like, you know, when you start thinking you're great, you start wallowing in your own greatness. That's when you stop growing. And, you know, I, he'll have certain techniques on the stage when he thinks somebody's really just mailing it in or they're too arrogant. And he'll he'll ghost note a beat or he'll throw something in where it doesn't belong. And he'll really twist them around and let them know that he knows that they're not giving it their all. They're not running through the line as if it mattered, as it was a matter of life and death. And so, you know, aside from the things that you know, like, I think you said it's twice a day, 20 minutes a day at the minimum for you. But outside of that, 
what would you say to, to cats that you must run into that are wallowing in their own greatness? <laughs> And that feel bad for I, them, and that feel bad, and that pity themselves that they can't have this lifestyle when, in fact, the solitary or the the attainment, the path of attainment, is a solitary journey. I mean, I think it's interesting. You know, it really does have to do with adaptation. I mean, I see everyone who's thriving. It's because we've all adapted to the need of the time, and quickly we didn't we didn't hesitate. Exactly. In, yeah. in you know we're not we're not holding on to what was, and you know the minute that you let go of what's already gone, you know just FYI newsflash, we're not going back to anything. Mm. It, we're mm. not going back mm. to normal, and the sooner that you can accept that you're not going back to normal then you need to look at what is and see where you can be relevant and where you can thrive within that, right? You know, for myself, my life hasn't really changed. You know, my life's <laughs> pretty much exactly the same. And I'm I doing, love... I've been doing better, you know, and in that, you know, sure, you know, I need to take care of what's happening in the virus and, and whatever, but honestly, I'm thriving. I, I moved with the need of the time. I went radical and I stepped out beyond, you know, even my lineage. I decided to go online with everything that I offer, and that's kind of been against my lineage, but I see it as a serving, and it's time to move forward. Um, my 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 guru who I talked about, Ananda Mehotra, he too, I mean, he's thriving more than ever because he decided to, for the first time ever, offer teachings that have only been in person. He's offering them online. Wow. He's showing up as the need of the time. No one's going to India. No one's going to the ashram right now. So he's bringing the ashram to your living room. And he's not staying like, staunch to this old tradition and this old way he's moving with technology because if he's like me which we are he's my very self we see that this isn't changing right technology we don't even know what's coming if trump wins tomorrow right and you don't agree with it you don't know what's manifesting for all we know it can make a rise for the people to stand up and gain their own power and we don't have a president anymore Absolutely. you don't Absolutely. know what's going to happen in the future of what's playing out all we can do is adapt to what's happening and see how to resolve so if your worthiness lies in the amount of people you have on Instagram or that people smile during your lecture then you need to really self-evaluate why you're doing what you're even doing right so you know my I will say my biggest pet peeve is when people come on to my free lectures on Zoom and they don't present their face. That's just not cool. You know, I can't speak if your energy is not there. Then I can't speak to you. You mean they don't? Like they don't dead. run the? They don't run the video on? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, oh, it's that, like a that's, thing that dude, people come do. On, dude, like come on, you know, come on. It's like I need to feel your energy. I don't need. I don't need you to be approving. I need to f see I your love, eyes. I, love yes, I need to yes, yes. see your energy. So in that, I mean, I ask people. You know, maybe that's part of it. Is it's maybe not to reevaluate what your self worth is. If it's not the smile, maybe it's just the energy. You don't feel that. Mm. So because everything's a relationship and a communion. 
right? We're here to commune and that's what really makes us thrive in, as humans. So, you know, for me, if you talk about relationship, I thrive off of my communion with the source of everything. That's why I feel fulfilled and that's why I don't feel lonely ever because I commune daily with, with that. And so in that, if you're not communing daily, then you're seeking that outside of yourself. So if you're the musician who likes to play live in front of everybody and you don't feel the audience, because how epic is that to feel the rise of the audience or people singing your lyrics? How cool is that? Because it's such a union. It's, it's the communion that we miss, that we thrive off of. So, you know, if we intertwine that with our self-worth, then we've misinterpreted uh, the dance of relationship, of relating to one another, and and to really look at it in a different perspective, and how can you then create that in your life, you know, whether it's through Zoom, whether, you know, however that is, I mean, who knows, you could set up a whole thing on your porch and play music outside, and everybody in the neighborhood could hear it, I, so, yeah. uh, you know, there's so many different ways, and I think the sooner people let go, let go, the past is the past, be in the present, see what's relevant now and show up in that show up big to what that is if you're a personal trainer in a in a gym then get creative go outside teach somewhere else get create an online platform so you have a membership and start filming some stuff and teach that way be creative use your creative intelligence to do something different that's more evolved to what's happening and you'll thrive, right? So it's not just one way. We can do things in so many different ways. I could have been, I think you just, I, I will say that the music component is, I, I think you're, you're, you have to do, I, I mean, just every time we're doing this in an aud auditory way, I, my dis-ease dis -ease is healed. But in the musical context, as a patron and as a rogue journalist, I mean, uh, I have to go and I have to be in the front of the speaker stacks and I have to be feeling the pulsating love vibration coming from the people that I love and the music that I love to heal. And it doesn't, it, it's, it's a little bit, I think music is a very fine, I think it's different than um uh, and I know people are, are adapting, but it's very different, and 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 uh, and it's very concerning to me that um, because I need to be healed through vibration, and that is very hard to do through Zoom. And I think the musicians themselves can get in, can feel a little bit of the collective consciousness rising when they're playing through a, uh, to a camera, um, but yeah, it's something about. Um, I just wanted to ask you about, you know, I, I, I could have been hallucinating, but maybe I did see that you you were doing podcasts at a certain point. Is that, am I right about that? Did you have a podcast? I don't, but I might. I thought you, I, I thought you had a podcast. I thought you were like number 35, you know, like it was going to be like, I just want to be on. Maybe, maybe you're having a cognition of the future. Absolutely. So, okay. I, I just, I just want to be. I want to. I want to play basketball with you. I want to meet your son, and I want to be on your <laughs> podcast. And that—that's cool, you know. And well, one day if that happens, if that's how I'm here to serve, then I will call upon you for sure. But yeah, but, you know, I—I I mean, what I just wanted to say, go you ahead. Know, 
this isn't going to be forever. And, you know, when I watch, you know, I see, you know, the baseball teams playing without an audience. What does that feel like? You know, there's nothing better than having the audience and the excitement and the wave. You Absolutely. Build off of it, no, you can, right? there's no art so, after that. It's very sterile, actually. Without, it's, a, it's, so, a, it's an art form with the people. I get it. I get it. I mean, that's what we thrive off of in life. And and it's like, don't resist what nature's bringing for you. Nature's calling. There's a destruction phase. Nature's calling for more stillness. Nature's calling for uh, you to self-reflect, uh, how you create in the world, how you offer. It's like this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to to not push, to not have to create all the time to not do all of these things don't miss this opportunity this great time to reinvent yourself to to expand yourself this isn't forever this is you know yes there's something new that's forming and birthing and creating but don't wallow and miss this time and miss this great opportunity that may never happen again in our lifetime even though there's a lot of grief and there's a lot of loss and there's a lot of death and there's a lot of destruction mm -hmm. and it's a lot to process you know, I find it, it personally a great gift. I'm not, I don't feel the need to travel. I don't have to. This is a time for me to do other things, to rest, to recuperate, to expand, to go deeper in myself, to refine, to, to do video content, to create on a whole nother level that never would have happened. And, you know, one day there'll be live music again. And in that, the gratitude in your heart will be so happy to be able to perform and to give. Um, I know so many people who they've done the tour life and you the touring, you're playing in a different city every single night and you do that all year long and you're a mess. Your body's <laughs> yeah, your road messed dog. up, yeah, you're I've, tired, I've, yeah. your relationship and marriage is strained and you're kind of resenting what you're doing, well, now's your opportunity to recuperate. Now's your opportunity to maybe not have been only dependent on making money that way, right? So it's just like refine. Let you me know, ask you something. This is so you're, you, keep, you keep bringing up these very provocative points. I mean, again, someone's got to come fix Yashoda Ma's air conditioner or fix the plumbing. You do have to sing for your supper. You're not... You do have to, you know, I mean, that's kind of like it's not about being rich or hoarding or these things. But, I mean, if somebody, it, you know, at the longer that we mismanage uh, this situation that's unprecedented, uh, the harder the, you can't road dog. You, you, like, I mean, the restrictions at live music venues are so debilitating that they can't. The, the only way you can make money in music today is by road dogging it. So if somebody, if if your livelihood, you showed them, if if your craft, if how you pay for the air conditioning or your groceries or you know your son's clubs or whatever it is, if as the longer this goes on, a lot of cats are either who are lifers. I worry very much that they, I, and I pray they won't, but that that because they're very sentient, sensitive people. Some of them will have to face this reckoning of moving into a different career. And I just wonder if that's something that you would be, if somebody came to you and said, you showed him, I'm sorry, it, 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 you know, um, 
I don't know what the it, maybe it's I can't come up with a, a rat. But if somebody asked you to change the thing that fed you the most, could you do that? I mean, sometimes it's not about could you. It's it's called have to. Have to. So, you know, there's certain points in our life where you know there's some humility that comes in, and maybe you have to find a different funding mechanism. And in that, that doesn't mean that you have to give up what you're doing. It's like record, create music in a different way for now. Find another funding mechanism, you know, in, in that sense. There's some humble pie to take in when we have to adapt to what is and we have some have-tos in life. And in that retrospect, I mean, again, if you're somebody, people should have different strings of, of how we fund. That's right. I agree with you 100%. And, yeah. and, you know, we have one funding mechanism. Sometimes our funding mechanism isn't even our dharma. It's not, it's not our, our thing, right? But it provides, it pays all the, pill, the bills, it takes the basic needs, it takes care of that so that we can then focus on what inspires us in life or go adventure or whatever that is. So, you know, sometimes... Uh, <laughs> Like, we can't just be, like, babies about things. <laughs> just adapt. Like, suck it up. Right? Now is a different time. And and learn a different skill. And try something new. Be a producer. I don't, I don't know. Try something. Right. Find a new skill. And it's like, or record. Like, record albums. Put them all out there. Put them on Spotify. Put them on whatever way. I know that's not, like, a big moneymaker, but... There's something that's being revolutionized in that way. If you're so dependent in a certain way, you have to figure out a new way, right? And nature designs that for you. So I see things as blessings when we get diverted and we get maybe sometimes forced into a different creative realm. And then we might spiral back into what we were doing before. Nature, you know, whether it's the pandemic or not, it's something. You know, I could watch people... They're a dancer, and then all of a sudden their whole life is dependent on their movement, and then they have to get a hip replacement. What are you going to do? Right? Mm. you got to figure out something else. So, you know, we could blame, like, the pandemic. Something new is happening. Everybody knows that the music industry kind of sucks. So, you know, anybody who's been in it that, you know, you're at the mercy of the 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 record companies, and then you have to go out and tour like a slave those that's not sustainable lifestyle anyway so something you're 100 percent right about that change. i mean they were it was they were part of the working poor before coronavirus but you know intrinsically the and that's a whole other discussion um but you know uh the spirit i think the greatest op- vacuum of opportunity for growth with writing um one reason i keep talking about this podcast for you is because um the spirit is can come to really come to fruition now uh when we have been altered from our everyday existence and things have been thrown out of normalcy um a lot of people don't want to talk about the spirit um they think it's like a sufism they don't it's not quantifiable and yet that's all i've been doing and like you, I even though I, I love being on the road and I love letting the body dance and I love healing through music and being with my, my guys and my you know and all the all that stuff, I haven't really felt any desire or 
urge. Um, I don't have any neediness to it. And that's just part of me growing into my, to my soul. So, I mean, I just want to let you know that, um, I don't send you all this, these tech, these, uh, messages, but, I, I can't tell you how many healers that that I've been reaching out to because I still obviously interview musicians, but from your sort of field, whatever that you know that vortex, <clears throat> a modality of healing, I cannot tell you the reverence that people feel for you um, and the things they say about you, and um, so I think that whatever it is that you are attaining. Uh, that you that you continue to work on and that you strive to be you are and so i am so proud of you and i also am so thankful that um, you take the time for free um to come to, to on my show to to inspire and and uh and i look forward to um shooting some jump shots with you someday <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you for all your kind words, and you know, it's it it hits my heart to hear that. Not that I'm doing my life for others. No, but I know that, that I'm. I know that I. I thought about it last. I'm like, I mean, I'm doing unconditional love work, and it's finally coming to fruition for me in some way. Um, and I know that you're not caught up in all the material stuff, but I also know that when you drop knowledge like this, like, like it, the current spirit is the currency. And, and the fact that, um, you know, that you even came on the first time. And I, I just, I treasure the bond we have and I appreciate how giving you are because you know what, all the masters of music, the, the, the Elvin Joneses and the, these amazing Titans that they were scary looking to a degree. And, you know, they, they, they were hard to, but once you approached them, they wanted to share all this invaluable information because they wanted it to live on and that's what mm -hmm. i see you embodied is just somebody who just wants the information and the enlightenment to live on and it you're doing it and you're doing it as best you can and uh so i really appreciate you taking this time just as in free because most people sometimes i'll get comments from people like oh i can't do any uh i can't i just can't do any uh you know, non-compensated, uh, you know, uh, interviews right now. It's like, okay, no problem. But, you know, I mean, you do it out of free will. And I, and I just think it's that statement more than anything else. Uh, for people that are going to hear this after we're gone, that is transcending the cycle of birth and death. So, I, I you know, <clears throat> I would say that, you know, I know you know you have things to work on, but I'd say you're, you're doing a pretty, pretty, really pretty good job right now. Thank you. And I mean, I really want people to know, I mean, ultimately, I do all of this because I want you to love your life. You know, whether the knowledge continues, it's, I just, to end people's suffering is the greatest gift for you to experience in this lifetime the joy and the love and the radical aliveness, something other than suffering or being stuck. That's why I do all of this. It's beautiful. I'm not interested in making you believe anything or do anything. I just don't. I'm here if my words help you not suffer or to seek the way, some sort of path. 
to end your own suffering. That's really all I care about. Stay safe, my friend. Bless you and your son. And uh, I, uh, I look forward to our next collaboration. And, um, you know, all light and love to you. Same to you and your girls and your family. Bless you, Yashoda Ma. Bye. 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 Part three in the books with uh, really an amazing teacher and uh, somebody I encourage um, everybody to check out, Yashoda Devi Ma, uh, amazing spiritual teacher and uh, learning to adapt in this time. We're not going back, only forward and uh don't ever wallow in your greatness that's it for the jake feinberg show today on power talk we will see you later